Well, praise God, praise God. I'm going to get started this morning. Good morning, Identity Church. I hope y'all have had a really good week. I know I have. This has been a good week back after the Christmas and New Year's. Uh, by the way, if you weren't here before, Happy New Year. We're, uh, we're kicking the, the year off right. We had, we had talked uh, the day after Christmas and the day after New Year, we had talked about our vision. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray over our visions right now. Because I'd asked everybody to do homework. You know, a good teacher will ask you to do homework, right? So, and if you haven't done your vision, if you're still thinking through it, this prayer is going to be for that vision too. So, it carries on, okay? It's not like, well, you missed it, okay? You missed out. No. I'm going to pray for it because I know there's people that listen to us on our podcast. So, I want to be able to give people the opportunity to be a part of our church even when they're outside of our church. Um, But I want... I want to tell you that a vision is not something that we just do once a year. Because I know that that seems to be, hey, I'm going to lose weight. I'm going to start eating better. I'm going to start running every single day. And then five days later, you're not doing any of that, right? Because after you've had like 15 salads, right? You had three a day for five days. You're going, I don't want to do this no more. I'll just be fat, okay? But... Our vision is supposed to be longer than just the beginning of the year. So the visions and the things that God is putting on your heart, put down on a piece of paper and let him continue to marinate that on the inside of you. Because it may be that you put a vision down and it doesn't happen for four or five years. I know me going to Bible school and creating this church and doing the things that we're doing now, that was 10 plus years of just constant vision that God was trying to put into me. By the way, he had to change my heart. Sometimes a vision comes to you and you go, I don't want to do that. I'm just going to be honest with you. There was times when people said, hey, you know, do you really want to pastor? And I was like, not really. I mean, if you really think about it, there's a lot of stuff that comes with it. I got called this week by a person who wanted me to pay their bills. You know, at the end of the day, I don't know this person. I don't know anything. But as a pastor, your heart goes out for people. You want to do the best for people. But, you know, at the end of the day, we all have to make decisions about our vision and say, do I want to do this? Do I want to go the next step with God? Because wherever there's a next step, there's growth, right? Because if you don't grow, if you can do your vision right now where you're at, then guess what? It's not much of a vision. I'm just going to be honest with you. If you can do your vision right now, then it was a grocery list, okay? Because I can write something down and say, well, I got enough money and enough time And enough effort to be able to go to the grocery store and buy what I need. That's not a vision. If it's a vision, there has to be growth. So whatever you're doing, if you put down something on this vision, have the Lord open up your eyes. Say, Lord, grow me in these areas. Help me to expand. Go to Isaiah 55 and say, expand my tent, Lord. I need to be bigger on the inside. And so I'm going to pray over our visions. If you have any, uh, if, if you have your vision, uh, like I said last night in a, in a uh, messenger that I put out there, you can have it on paper. You can have it on your uh, iPhone, iPad. Uh, you can have it on a granite tablet. If you wanted to go back towards Moses' time, I don't really care. But whatever you do, make sure you keep up with it. You know, it's one of those things where you put it on the refrigerator, Right. You know, we usually put stuff for our kids on the refrigerator. Well, then it stays there for like 10 years and, you know, your kids are, you know, 20 years old and you're like, I still have a picture from the time they were five. Well, the vision needs to be something that where you can see it. You know, we've actually put our vision on our mirror in the bathroom so that when you're brushing your teeth, oh, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm believing for. Oh, I'm shaving. Oh, I I can pray and thank God for that. See, give yourself the opportunity to be reminded. You know, a lot of people think that I'm just vain because I wear my my ring. 
I got a master's degree in computer engineering from UAB. I'm going to tell you what, it's a reminder and a thankfulness that I had ADD and dyslexia. And every time I see it, I go, thank God. You are so much better than my problems. Do you know that that's what our vision does is it speaks to you to be able to say, okay, do something. Okay, grow. Okay, be thankful. That's what your visions are there for. So if everybody would bow your head, I'm going to pray over our visions for 2022. Father, we come to you in Christ Jesus' name. We just thank you, Father, that you are continuously working in this earth, that you're continuously working in our hearts and our minds, Father. I pray over every single person's vision that is in here. I pray in Jesus' name that you are giving them ideas and visions about how to do this. You're opening up opportunities for people to come into their life and to help them fulfill these things that they're not going to be afraid to grow. I pray in Jesus' name that I cast out all fear with perfect love that each and every person in here is able to grow from the love of God that is on the inside of them. I pray in Jesus' name that each person is getting revelations about their vision and that their vision is going to take them into the future. And I pray over 2022 that this is going to be the best year that we've ever had. I pray in Jesus' name that each and every person is going to have more prosperity, more, more relationships, more kindness that is going to be put towards people and also back to them. I pray in Jesus' name that you're going to open up the eyes of their heart to learn and to expand more this year in 2022. And I pray, dear Lord, that their visions are coming to pass. In Jesus' name, make us the runner, Father. Show us what direction to run in and we will run. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody say amen. 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 Well, I'm believing that there's going to be testimonies that people are going to say, hey, my vision came to pass. I'm going to let you tell them about it. Because we need to have testimony where we said, I saw God do something good in my life. You know, I can stand up here and tell you lots of stories, and I will. So don't, don't worry. I'll tell you about the goodness of God that's been happening in my life. But I want you to be proclaiming the goodness of God that is going on in your life. You know what? If you have sickness in your body or there's something going on, proclaim it. You go, well, what if it doesn't work? Well, what if it does? I mean, I'm going to be honest with you. I'd rather believe God and fail, but still believe God. Because you know what? I found that the more that I believe God, the more that I see him working in my life. The more I see him working in my life, the bigger faith I have on the inside of me. And the more that we continue to live this life of God here on earth. Heaven can be right here on earth. You don't have to wait until you die. You can get it right now. God can make heavenlies here. And you may be saying, well, how in the world do I get the heavenlies here? You know, I'm going to get into my message here. This is going to be stuff that maybe some of you have heard. I know that some of y'all may have heard uh, some of this about spirit, soul, and body. It is not taught a lot. I'm just going to be honest with you. I know that some people call this in him realities. Some people call this, um, you know, uh, I think uh, the basics of righteousness. I know Andrew Womack calls it that. But, you know, the Lord put this on my heart. This was one of the messages that God put on my heart back about, I don't know, probably six, seven years ago when I was in Bible school. And the Lord has been expanding this on the inside of me. And guess what? This is where Identity Church came out of. When, when I think of a quintessential Identity Church message, this should be it. This is the one that I'm going to point back to because I always talk about who we are on the inside of us. I always point us back to Jesus on the inside of us. Do you know that everybody who has been saved has one-third God on the inside of them. You know, my wife, I would say that back a few years ago, and she would go, you can't say that. You can't say God's on the inside of you. Well, if God's not on the inside of you, then you didn't get saved. Now, you may not like to be able to go, well, 
<laughs> I don't like, I, I want to have this conception of I'm being humble. Oh, well, I'm so unworthy and God is so worthy. Do you know that if he didn't come to make you worthy, then you were never going to be worthy. I mean, that's a wrinkle in some people's brain. They're, they're trying to get to the end of their life and go, wait a minute, maybe I did enough good things to where God's just going to let me in. St. Peter's going to be going, you know what, Dusty, I got a list. And you had 14,522,000 good things and you had 14,921,000 bad things. So guess what? You get to come into heaven. You know that if that was the case, if it was just based upon your good works, then it would be your own self being your own Savior. Do you know that you can't save yourself? Y'all aren't good enough. I'm going to just tell you straight up. I'm not good enough. You're not good enough to save yourself. See, Jesus came to reconnect us back to the Father. And see, we have to understand who we are in Christ Jesus and why he did what he did. See, most of the people in the world tend to find themselves in this, I'm a good person because I do good things. Well, who do you do good things for? I find that most of the time when I ask, well, who do you do good things for? Well, I do it for my mama. Well, what about the guy that's over here? I mean, you know, that's on the street. Do you do good things for him? Well, you know, I, I would if I had the time or the opportunity. Oh, well, why can't I just go and say, well, you're not doing good things unless you do good things for that guy. You know, you may be sitting there going, well, Dusty, what does this have to do with anything? I can't do good things for everyone. Absolutely. You are not good enough in yourself, nor will you ever be good enough to be able to ex to be able to Get into heaven. That is not, that's not in us. And there's a couple reasons why. But guess what? Jesus came to make us righteous. So let, let's have a little bit of a discussion about our spirit, soul, and body. Now, there are several scriptures, but this is going to be the main scripture that I'm probably going to talk about the most over the coming weeks because I'm going to do this series based on spirit, soul, and body. And we're going to talk about our spirit, man. We're going to talk about our solical realm, and we're going to talk about our body. And as you can see here in 1 Thessalonians, it says, 1 Thessalonians 5.23, And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. That means totally, not you're holy. But sanctify your whole body. Sanctify everything about yourself. And, and I pray, God, your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. See, he's saying that when Jesus comes, he sanctifies you wholly. Let me say that again. When Jesus comes to Heather, and Heather goes, uh-huh, I believe you. I believe that you died. I believe that you were that you arose again. I believe all the things. You know, people, it used to say that Paul would go into a place and just preach that Jesus and him crucified was how people got saved. You know what? And then they would send people in to teach them the other pieces. Because he would go in and he would go, because Jesus came as a man and because he died on the cross... And because he actually took his blood and became a blood sacrifice for you, then now you have been covered and been made righteous. And see, everybody in here, I pretty much know you've, you've accepted Jesus. I mean, I, I've known you. I've talked to you. I, I get it. You're all saved. But this is the problem that we get into is that we get saved and we get stuck. Well, I'm just waiting for Jesus. I'm going to go to heaven one day. How many people, how many people want to go to heaven one day? I got news for you. I'm hoping I stay here a long time so that I can be able to help people here too. I want some heavenlies 
here on earth. How many people want some heavenlies here on earth? If I, I, no, no, I want the front row to get your hands up. I want everybody, hallelujah, we got some, we got the, the heavenlies coming down. Because I want you to understand is that we're not just waiting for death. Now, when we die, it's going to be awesome because we don't have to worry about anything else. See, I want you to understand that our connected God spirit that we got through Jesus Christ, he became one-third God on the inside of us. He recreated us in his own image. And see, our soul is our mind, will, and emotions. And those are problematic. Because if I get it into my mind to have a will and my emotions go crazy, I can leave the spiritual side and I can go over here to the flesh side. Oh, I see that it's bad. See, our, our body, our flesh is our five senses. It's what we see, hear, taste, smell, and touch. What we feel. Also, it's the, our, where we go to get our feelings. Well, I got my feelings hurt. I got my feelings hurt, and I don't want to go back to Jesus. I want to stay over here in my pity party. How many people's had some pity parties? I'm going to tell you what, I've had some good ones. I mean, I've had some that if you were to come, they would be guacamole, they'd be chips. It'd be good, good, good. It's going to be probably like the national championship game tomorrow night where we have some stuff to eat. We're going to watch Alabama win the national championship. It's going to be awesome. But at the end of all of this, our pity party needs to have the Jesus side of us where we start focusing in on that. See, I use this thing called a bubble level to explain our mind, our will, and our emotions. And by the way, I've got some of these coming in, so if you want a bubble level, a lot of you have them because I've taught on this before. But by the way, if, when I give it to you, this is really good for hanging pictures too. So... <laughs> You can actually use this. But I put it on my keychain. And you know, every single time that I pick up my keys, I see this bubble level. And I think, where is my mind, my will, and my emotions? Is it elevating the Spirit of God or is it elevating my five senses? You know that when I elevate my five senses, I get every piece of the world. You may be going, well, Dusty, you're, you're born again. How are you getting the world? Well, it's pretty simple. All I got to do is spend a little bit of time elevating the world. And I got to go, oh, well, I didn't get that raise that I thought I was going to get. I didn't get the, you know, I didn't get that parking spot at Walmart. I was really believing you, Lord, for that parking spot at Walmart. I got a little bit wet because it was drizzling outside. See, the thing is, is that our flesh will tend to say, I didn't get all the things that I wanted. So I elevate my mind, my will, and my emotions. And I'm actually going to teach pretty much solely on the soul here in the coming weeks. But I want you to understand is that your emotions are a catalyst to your will. The moment that I get my emotions all worked up, oh, my will starts following my emotions. Well, by God, they said that about me. I'm going to go stand up and I'm going to tell them what I think about them. See, your, your mind has all this information. It has the Word of God in it. It has all the good stuff that's in those books that are on y'all's laps. But the moment your will starts going crazy, well, your mind takes a back seat. It gets drug along, and now it's full-blown emotion city. And it's because of what I saw and what I heard. What did they say about me? See, what I want you to understand is that your spirit, your soul, and your body can all line up and point back to the spirit. And see, this was, this was something that I wanted you guys to understand. That's why I'm taking a little bit more time on this because maybe this is new concepts to everybody. But see, we have to be made in the image of God. God's not made in the image of us. You know, God does not have a nose. God is not a man with a big beard sitting in the middle of the universe on a throne. I, I know there's people out there that believe that. 
There's people out there that go, well, you know, he's a big bearded angry guy out there in the middle of, out in the middle of the universe. You know, God is a spirit and we worship him in spirit and truth. You know, John chapter 2 and chapter 3 tells us who God is. Tells us who Jesus is. It tells us who the Holy Spirit is. He is love. The spirit of God is love towards us. He's not a form. He is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Now, let me ask you a question. If I, without even telling you this, if you looked at who we are and you looked at God, do you think that God's more like this? Or do you think God's more like this? The spirit, soul, and body that we have. Think about it. God the Father is a spirit. Jesus is the very word of God that came forth out of God and he created everything. He is the creative power of God. And then we have this Holy Spirit that is here on the earth that physically can come and do the things that God needs to be done. What does he look like? Does he look like us or does he look like flesh? He looks like spirit, soul, and body. That is the image of God that we got through him when Adam was created. So I'm going to take you to this three-part being of Father, Son, and Holy Ghost that is actually spirit, soul, and body in us. We are the image of God. We are a three-part being because he is a three-part being. See, I want you to understand that God is not sitting here going, well, I made you like me because I have eyebrows. Now, I know some people, they shave them off or they don't have them at all. Well, that's why God said it doesn't matter what you look like. It doesn't matter if you have eyebrows, a nose, a beard. It doesn't matter because that's not who you really are. I'm going to say that again. What I look like right now is not who I really am. Because Dusty, Dusty is, you might see me, but this is just a vessel that gets me around. It'd be about like this. It would be about like, I, everybody knows the car I drive, right? I mean, if you saw my car, I have a red Dodge Durango outside. If you saw it at the church, what would you say when you're driving by and you saw my Dodge Red Durango? Dusty's at the church. The only reason why you know Dusty's even here is because I'm standing here. Well, there's Dusty on the stage. But do you know that that's only the vessel that is carrying Dusty? There's a lot more to Dusty. Dusty has a mind, will, and emotions, and he, I can let my emotions go off the chain just like everybody else. But you know what? My wife... If I was to go out and somebody was to say, well, you know what? Dusty's having an affair. You know, the first thing Heather would say, no, he's not. Because I know Dusty. It wasn't that Dusty's body, well, I just looked at his body. I could tell he's not having an affair. No, it was because she knows my mind, my will, and my emotions. She'd be like, no, I, I know who you are. Beyond your physical form, I know who you are. See, I want you to understand is that when we're in the image of God, the image of God, it's three-part being. God is love. And out of love, he went and did something through Jesus Christ. And by the Holy Spirit, he was conceived on earth. Do you see that threes come in here every single time? God wants something done. Jesus says, I'll do it. The Holy Spirit goes and makes it happen. You may be going, well, I don't understand that. Well, Mary didn't understand it either. The angel had to come and tell her, hey, the Holy Spirit's going to come and he's going to make you pregnant. Do you know that Mary and everybody else, the first thing that somebody says is, 
Well, I've never been with someone. That was what Mary said. I physically have never had this experience. I know I'm kind of getting off, but I want you to understand is that Jesus and God and the Holy Spirit, they're in you. They are creating the opportunities for you, and they want you to see your image in them. See, our spirit is recreated. Our soul, our mind, will, and emotions, it has the opportunity to either follow the spirit of God or follow our body. And in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 through 28, it says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Well, God said, Well, you know, I got this big bushy mustache, so Adam's going to have a big bushy mustache. No! He said, let us make us into his likeness. It meant Adam had a spirit, he had a soul, and he had a body, and he was directly connected to God. At that point, Adam did not need Jesus. Okay? Whoo. There was a moment I felt some people go, wait, 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 he didn't need Jesus? No, he was created by God. God was on the inside of him. He was a part of God. He didn't need Jesus. Jesus was in him. He was a part of him. You know, this is the thing that we need to understand is that our likeness was to be a part of God. To have that one third of God on the inside of us, just like Adam had when he first was created. And see this right here, it says... According to our likeness, let them have dominion. So you know what God did? That one sentence says, the earth is yours and all the stuff. So God made a contract with Adam and said, I'm creating you in my likeness. You will have my spirit on the inside of you. You will have mind, will, and emotions. And you will have a body that can interact with this world. Now, I love how a lot of people say, well, okay, well, we weren't the first ones. No, we weren't. God created a lot of things before us. He created light and he created heat and he created day and night and all that. Because if he had created us in the middle of like the third day, we'd be swimming, right? Adam would have had to have known how to tread water for four days. Okay, God, I'm starting to get tired See, God created the earth specifically for Adam. He wanted to have everything perfect and complete for us. See, when people tell you, well, that you know, we're the the earth is being destroyed by us. Well, people can destroy the earth, but the earth was for us. It was created so we would have dominion. We were supposed to have power and authority over every single thing that walked, creepeth, crawleth, swim, whatever it was, God created it for us to be in dominion as kings of the earth. You know, we go and read in Galatians and all these other books, and it says that you are a king and a priest. Well, see, that was not a new concept. God wanted Adam... And every creation that came after Adam to be able to have complete and total dominion. Because we were in his likeness. See, God was king of the universe. Everything. Dark matter, uh, string theory, I don't care whatever you want to go into. We can have a scientific discussion. But God is in the midst of every single thing holding every single atom together. You can go find it. The only reason why we don't fall apart is because they found these T, these T connectors that are between our atoms. It looks just like a cross. Do you know that Jesus himself, when he said, let there be light, let there be water, let there be whatever it was, he was creating every single thing for me and for you. And it says here, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. See, 
in verse one, in, in Genesis chapter 1, we see here that God had the idea he was going to create female anyway. See, this is, God wasn't, it wasn't an afterthought to God to create a female. Man and woman was supposed to be on earth doing the things together as helpmeets together. And it says in verse 28, Then God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the whole earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fishes of the sea and over the birds of the air and over every living creature that moves on earth. Do you know that one of the bad problems is, is that when, that let's just say for an example, Caleb is my son and Kaylee is my daughter. And let's just say I will them something. Let's say I, I, I give, I take my money that I have at the end of my life. So, you know, whatever it is. And I say half of it goes to each one of them. And, and it's like, okay, well, that's great. And they go, Dad, that's, that's awesome. Well, what if Caleb decided to invest it and Kaylee just wanted to go and buy Starbucks with it? Which is probably what's going to happen. But what if I did that? And, and what, if, what if I was aware of it? I'm in heaven and I'm looking down at my kids and I'm like... Kaylee, you've already had Starbucks today. Why did you get a second one? See, that's what happened when God gave the earth to Adam. And everything that was about the earth was he said, you have dominion over every bit of it. You have the ability and the authority to be able to rule and reign on this earth. And you know what happened? They messed it up. So God didn't say, well, you know what? I'm coming back down there and I'm going to take that away from you, son. You're going to be in, you're going to be in purgatory. No, that's not what happened. That's not what went on. God said, hey, let's fix it. Do you know how he fixed it? In these verses later, it, in like, no, uh, chapter 3, God says, I will send the seed of the woman to bruise the serpent's head. See, he had a plan to make Jesus the ability to connect us back to God. Because what we see here is that in 2 Corinthians 5, 16, 17, it says, Therefore now we regard no one according to the flesh. This is exactly what I'm talking about. You know, Heather says, Hey, I know he wouldn't do that. I know he wouldn't go and do the, this bad thing. Because I'm not regarding him according to his flesh. I know who he is. See, that's the same exact thing that Jesus knows us not by our flesh. He knows us by our mind, our will, and our emotions, and our spirit. And it says right here, it says, We regard no one according to the flesh, even though we have known Christ. So he's talking, specifically Paul saying, Hey, you've actually seen Christ in the flesh. Because at this point, most of the people had. Yet, now we know him thus no longer. So he's gone. You know, there's going to be a point to where you're going to be a memory to your children and your children's children. And they're going to tell the story of your life based on not the physical features. Now, they may go and say, you know, Dusty, he was a big man. And that's all I got to say about him. Well, that would be pretty sad. I mean, I would walk, I, I'd be in heaven crying, going, I want my kids and my children and my children's 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 children to know that I loved God and that I was going to do everything that I could, no matter what I could, you know, what came at me, I was going to try to do what God was telling me to do. And I want my great, great, great grandkids to know that. You know, we were, we were having some discussions because people were talking about genealogies and stuff. And there's all these people that are in our family that are from like Aniana, right? And there was like this red Cornelius that was up there or something like that. The only thing he was known for is getting drunk and shooting the town up, okay? And every time we've had a discussion about this, everybody goes and says, well, there was this red Cornelius and he used to come down because he had this red hair and he did... And he used to shoot the town up when he got drunk. 
He's known. He's known for who he was physically, and he's also known to be a drunken jerk. They went and shot the, the town up. And I want you to understand that we're not going to be known as Dusty's six foot, well, I'm probably six three now, but six foot three, and he was a big guy. That is a descriptor of, of the vessel. That's not who I am. Because we're not thus known like that anymore. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, verse 17, it says, He is a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. See, what happened was, is when Adam fell, he was no longer, his spirit was separated from God. Now, he still had a spirit. It wasn't dead. Now, I like to say it was dead, that he just drags his spirit. He, you know, everybody, before you get saved, there was always a little something that you're dragging around in your spirit. And it is because your spirit was apathetic because it wasn't connected to the power source. See, trust and distrust of the power source, like if I didn't trust this, like, you know, this week I've been putting in lights. I didn't have Steve do it. See, I trust when Steve puts them in. But when I, when I do it, Dad comes and cuts the building power off because I end up getting zapped several times. And he goes, I don't trust that it's going to be right. Well, me neither. I don't know what I'm doing. I'll probably stick it to my tongue. Is that working? You know? <laughs> but see, this is what you need to understand is that trust and distrust... Well, when I trust that I'm connected to God through Jesus Christ, now I'm, I'm able to boldly go into the throne room of God. Somebody goes, well, you sinned yesterday. Well, I sin all the time. But you know what? He said, don't worry about that. Just boldly go into the throne room of God. It meant I don't have to worry as much about the, the fleshly side because there's going to be people trying to destroy my flesh Make me sin, do all this other stuff. But I need to be constantly connected to the Father. I need to have my new creation in Christ Jesus. So what happened was as Jesus came, we accepted him. And that dead spirit, that spirit that we were just dragging around, Jesus says, I'm going to make that spirit a part of my spirit. So now we have the spirit of Dusty and the spirit of God that is now intertwined together. That can't be pulled apart. See, we are, we are one in the spirit. The God of this universe is connected to me by this. It's just like this chain. And whenever I elevate my, my knowledge of him, and I elevate where I'm going in him, then my mind, my will, and my emotions... You know, sometimes I'll be up here and I'll be thinking about something and the Lord puts something in my mind and you'll see me cry. And then all of a sudden, it's like I go in a direction. You know why? Because my emotions is a catalyst. And when the Holy Spirit actually starts talking to me about things, whew, I just get pulled. I get dragged. My body is going, okay, I'm going to say that. You know, there's a lot of times I'll be up here and I will say something and I'll go, the Lord wanted me to say, well, the Holy Spirit is pulling like a chain on me going, hey, I want you to say this. You know, he's on the inside of you and he's trying to pull you like a chain to be able to go and speak to all these people. To go speak to your problems. Do you know that your new recreated spirit is Jesus on the inside of you? One third of God is on the inside of you. So I'm going to, I'm going to kind of show you how it all went wrong, okay? Now, everybody's heard this story. Everybody's seen Genesis chapter 3, verses 22. Um, but I just want you to understand that there was a reason why this all went sideways for them, okay? In Genesis 3, 22, and it said, The Lord said, Behold, the man has become as one of us to know good and evil. And now at least he put forth his hand and take of the tree of life and eat and live forever. So we know that God said, hey, I'm going to limit their time. And I'm also going to, I also know this because, you know, he wanted 
to not have people who were dead in their spirit, not able to connect to God, and that all manners of evil that is known to them can now become to fruition. But I want to show you, if you go read the Hebrew in this, and you can go do this. If you go and get you a Strong's Bible or you got a Blue Letter Bible or whatever, you can actually go look up these words so that you know that I'm not lying to you. Okay? Um, but right here where it says, Behold, the man has become one of us to know good and evil. No, no, no. This was a, this was a King James-ish type thing that they, for some reason, he decided to pack some more words in here. But literally, the words, if you took them, it says this. It's translated, Behold, Adam, the first to know good and evil. Do you know that the reason why that's important is because God has no evil in him. I mean, I hope that was not a wrinkle of everybody. I mean, you know, Jesus himself, when the, when the rich young ruler came up to him and said, Hey, good master. And he said, what makes me good? There's only one good and he is God. There is no evil in God. Adam's the one that decided what evil was. You know how I know? You know how I know that Adam is the person who decides what good and evil is? Because good is following God and evil is everything that is not God. See, we have to understand that now I get to decide what good and evil is. In fact, Jesus actually said himself in the last days, people will say that things are good that are evil and evil that is good. And you know what? We're seeing it all the time. We see every single day somebody goes, well, you know, if somebody goes and takes from this person... You know, I'm actually, and I know there's some of you that's going to get really upset by this, but Robin Hood was a thief and he needed to go to jail. Okay? So did the sheriff of Nottingham. But it is not good to take from anyone that is rich. It's not good to go take somebody that belongs to something, somebody else. But see, that was a way of being able to say, oh, I can take from you because to me, I'm better. Or I've got less and I deserve it more. See, I get to decide what good and evil is in my life. I get to listen to all the junk that's on tv and facebook and all that and go well i'd rather live my life like that and it's pure evil or i i mean right now we've got places in our country where people are going and taking handbags and and all this other stuff gucci and and all that and they'll go and they'll break into places i mean i know we've got somebody who runs stores for for tj maxx here you know it's not a small thing when people lose, you know, a hundred, two hundred, three hundred thousand, a million dollars worth of stuff throughout a whole chain of stores. Because those stores and everything that comes along with our insurance, because it, it makes all of our rates go up. It makes everything. There is nothing that says, well, you know, those stores, they just get their insurance money. Well, you know what? Those insurance companies go, I got to pay for it somehow. I'm not just going to take away from the store, but I'm going to take it out of Heather and Charlie and, and Vicki and all these other people's premiums as well. You know what? Theft is evil and it affects everybody. There is a consequence. And when we go and say, I'm going to make a, for a DA to say, oh, I'm just not going to do anything about that. See, now good and evil gets distorted. See, I want you to understand that that's not my main point. But that's, that's, the, that's the unregenerated spirit that is on the inside of men saying, I don't care. I don't have the power source. I can't even tell you if that's right or wrong. You, in your mind, your will, and your emotions get to decide on your own. And people do it all the, all the time. You know, some people, they flip-flop back and forth. Oh, it's good today because it's not affecting me and it's bad tomorrow because I got hit by it. 
You know what? It was good and evil way before you made a decision about it. Because it affected people. It affected others. And see, this is what I want you to understand is that in Genesis 3, 4, because I'm going to go back a little bit. Because when the serpent said to the woman in Genesis 3, 4, and 7, it said, Then the serpent said to the woman, You will surely not die, saying, For God knows that in the day that you eat this, your eyes will be open and you will be like God. See, Satan, when you go and read this, Satan's the one that said you're going to be like God. It wasn't God saying, Oh, he, they've become like us. No, no, no. Satan says you'll be like God. Because you get to decide. And so it says, it says here, you'll know good and evil. So when the woman saw the tree was good for food. Wait a minute. God said that it wasn't good for food. I want you to understand something. God came in and said this was bad. Don't even touch it. Don't do anything. See, God himself said this is wrong. Don't do it. And so... The woman now, this was the moment that she was ungenerated. People say that when, when she took a bite of the fruit, that's when she was unregenerated. No, this was the moment. The moment she decided that it was good for food was the moment that her spirit got disconnected from God. It, it's truth. The moment we make a decision that we that we don't trust God anymore, then our mind, will, and emotions go like this. Now, one of the awesome things about Jesus is Jesus made it to where we don't get disconnected anymore. Our spirit's back here going, hey, dummy, dummy, quit looking at your flesh. Dummy, dusty, come on, come back over here. That's what happens when we get saved now is that we can go after the flesh and the Spirit of God is over there going, Dusty, come back. The Holy Spirit's constantly pulling us back. But see, that's what, what that didn't happen then. See, the Spirit of God created them. They were connected. And in the moment that she said, ah, it's good for food. And the moment Adam decided, okay, I'm going to eat it. That was when they lost it. The fruit had nothing to do with it. Jesus could, I mean, God could have said, don't sit in that chair because it's bad. It's going to be bad for you. And all of us would have gone, okay, God, I trust you. And then all of a sudden, Dusty comes by. Okay, Vicky, that chair looks softer than the chair you're in right now. In fact, it looks better than every chair that's in here. I'm, I'm telling you, Vicky, see, she's starting to stand up. She's wanting to come over here and sit down. But see, that's what happened was the moment that God said it, they believed it. And the moment that Satan said, started messing with her mind, that's when she said, I no longer trust God's word. I trust that this is going to be good for me. And this is what separated Adam from God. And we start to see here, it says, it says here, it says in verse 7, it says, Then the eyes of both of them were open, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves covered. See, so they no longer, they got a self-consciousness about, I now start to see myself differently. In fact, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to actually read you some stuff. I've still got a few more minutes here. Um, so you can follow along at home if you want to. Uh, Genesis chapter 3, verses 7 through 13. Um, so I'm going to read right here, 7 through 13. We're going to go through self-consciousness, sin-consciousness, guilt-consciousness, and fault-consciousness because this is what happens to us every time we sin. Even today, by the way, just because you've got the Spirit of God on the inside of you doesn't mean that your mind, will, and emotions can't continue to go, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to separate myself over here. The Spirit of God's still on the inside of you, connecting and tethering you and going, hey, come back. 
But see, this is, this is what happens every single time we get into we don't trust God in an area in our life. It says in verse 7 of Genesis 3, it says, Then the eyes of them both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. They became self-conscious. Oh, now I get to see all the things that I don't have. Oh, I don't, I don't have clothes now. I don't have the ability to understand uh, why I don't have uh, the newest, greatest, latest thing. Why am I not rich? Why am I not this? Hey, I got news for you. I've been, I've been self-conscious before. I mean, I've actually been standing up here and I said something that was out of turn and I tried to change it and it gets me flustered for a second. Then I walk away that night and go, you know what? I said that and I'm just not worthy enough to be able to do this. I, I've got to have something else. And then the Holy Spirit has to go, that was your stupid flesh. Just keep going. Keep moving. You're boldly going to go into the throne room of God. Don't worry about that kind of stuff. But see, that was what worried them. Oh, I don't have any clothes on anymore. I've got to have something to cover me because I'm self-conscious. And then it says here in verse 8, it says, And they heard the Lord, or they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden and in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord and God among the trees of the garden. So I want you to understand something here. See, God was coming in and they were so self-conscious that they were like, oh, my sin now is screaming out. I got to go hide from God. How many times have you ever done something? I remember I wrecked my car when I was like 16 years old and I did not want to see my dad. <laughs> I mean, how many people when you do something wrong to somebody, have you, ever, have you ever asked for a loan from someone or done something and then it was awkward because you knew, even though the person was like, hey, I know you're going to pay me back, but you're going, oh, I, I just, every time I'm around them, I feel like they're just thinking, oh, they, they owe me a lot of money. You know, we were doing church in Jacksonville and there was a guy, he was playing drums for us and he said, you know, I really need a couple hundred bucks and I'll pay you back. And I said, okay, no big deal. He showed up to church once after that. Stayed away from me. Like, you could physically, every time I would go towards him, I mean, it was almost like it was, um, you know, positive and positive magnets. Every time he would move the same amount of steps. I mean, it was literally like this. And I'm just walking around going, hey, hey, let's talk for a second. And he'd be like, uh -uh, I don't want to talk to you. That was the last time he showed up at church. We never saw him again. I was like, man, I would have been better off not giving him any money. He probably would have showed up. But his sin consciousness, his self-consciousness was so strong that he thought, oh, they know what I've done. You know, this is one of the problems that I think we have in our in our lives is the fact that we push people out that are actually supposed to be helping us. Because when we get into sin and we get into the things that happen in our life, we feel that our sin is screaming out of our skin. Oh, it's written on top of me. I owe you money. Or, oh, I, I, created, I created this problem. I did this thing. Everybody now knows. You know what the first thing that everybody does? Just like Adam and Eve. Sinners go and be with sinners. Because it's a whole lot easier. Because the sinners go, hey, come over here. I already know what it's like to be a sinner. Yeah, I wouldn't go talk to them either. Do you know what happened? Adam and Eve, they teamed up and they went and hid behind some trees. When God came calling. See, they were sin conscious because oh, he's going to know. And it says here, uh, I'm going to go down to verse 10. It says, so, and he heard, uh, uh, I heard your voice in the garden 
And I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. And God, he said, who told you that you were naked? Who told you that you were naked? You know, I've heard some people teach some really good things on this. I thought it was really interesting. But the one thing that keeps coming to my mind when I hear this verse right here is the fact that is the fact that there's been times in my life where people have come to me later on and said, you know, I didn't even want to be around you because I felt like that you were judging me. And I go, who told you I was judging you? Well, it's just the feeling I had. You know, that to me, more than anything, makes me just, I, I just go, well, how do I, how do I reach people how do, I, how do I get a hold of people and say, look, if I could just pull you back into the throne room for a little while, you would forget about all your sin consciousness, your self-consciousness, and your guilt consciousness, and you would just be a, the person of God that you're supposed to be, no matter what you did. See, that's what we have to do, is we have to pull people back into the throne room. Drag them if we have to, especially if they have the Spirit of God on the inside of them, because the moment that they turn their mind, their will, and their emotions back over to the Spirit. It's a game changer. They start being new people. I mean, I've got a friend of mine that goes back and forth between some stuff. And when he is, when he is not sin conscious and guilt conscious, this man is an evangelist like you wouldn't believe. Can go win souls. He does all these awesome things. And you know what? Every once in a while he gets down on himself. And then for like a week or two or maybe a month, it's like he's a different person altogether. And there's literally times where I went and had coffee with him and I I just grabbed a hold of him physically and said, I'm not letting you go. You're going to know that who you are in Christ Jesus is that you can overcome this right now. All you got to do is just say, Jesus, I'm setting this down. And I'm picking you back up. And you know what? There's been many a times where we've done that in the middle of a coffee shop. People are flipping out. (laughs) You're getting loud over there. You holy rollers. (laughs) But see, that's what I want you to understand is that we need some people to accost us and tell us who we are in Christ Jesus because there is a spirit of God that's on the inside of you and the moment that you focus back on him I mean it's like a change it happens in seconds you can see their eyes clear you can see the things happen I think Pastor Jim one time said that it was like uh, automatic sober up you know, have somebody that's drunk and then the next thing you know is you tell them who they are in Christ Jesus. You, you pray with them and then it's like they're sober. And you're like, yeah, it's because you pointed them back towards who they were in Jesus. Now they feel like they're a part of the family and not an outcast. Okay, I got to keep going because I'm, I'm going way too, too long here. I apologize for that. But see, our guilt conscious... And our fault conscious um, in verse 10 and 11. So it says, and so I heard the voice in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked. And, and he said, who told you? God himself said, who told you you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree which I command you to not eat? And it says, the man said, and this is where we get into it. Everybody does this. So if you don't think that you don't do this then I'm going to tell you what, the next time you sin, the first, after you go through these steps, the very last one is you're trying to figure out who to blame. Okay? So let's, let's find out who he tried to blame. Okay? It was that woman you gave me. You know that woman that I didn't want, Lord? You know, I was fine as a single guy. And then you took that rib and you made a whole nother person and look what she did. This is, this is all her fault. And then, what did the woman do? Well, it was that serpent. Do you know that this is, the, this is the thing that I want everybody to understand is that when you go through these progressions in your life, see, there's Jesus on the other side. 
And before you even get to the first one, you can just say, Lord, forgive me. You know, there's been times where I've had something happen in my life. I've gotten mad at someone. Somebody did something wrong to me, and I've lashed out at them. And I was like, I just want to go be by myself. You know, there's been a couple times where I did, I got through all this really quick. I just went, I'm lashing out. My bubble's over here. Ah, I want to get you. I want to punch you in the face. And then the next thing you know is the Holy Spirit's going, but, you know, you're a new creature. And I go, whoop, oh, my bubble went back over to the Spirit real quick. Do you know the faster you can get to getting your bubble away from your flesh, your mind, your will, and your emotions back over to the Spirit of God, the better off you're going to be. You know, there's times where people are attacking me and my bubble is so much on the spirit side that I just go, huh? There was an attack? What? I didn't even know there was an attack. I was over here and the Holy Spirit was just like, hey, everything's good. We're all good on this side. I'm good to go. Praise the Lord. But you know that at the end of all of this, it really doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you went full-on like commando on them and I'm just going to, I'm going to, you know, kill their cat. I don't know. Whatever it is. I'm going to slash their tires. You know, it doesn't matter what, what they do. And we're going to stop right there because, you know, what is a conscious? You know, it's the soul as distinguished between what is morally good and bad. And when we decide what is good and bad and when we create opportunities for me to be able to create what's good and bad, it's always going to be self-centered. You know, my good and bad, when I decide that I want to do, you know, I, I, I'm trying to change things because, you know what, I may not want to, you know, pay my taxes. Hmm. Or I may not want to, to go and pay for that thing. Or, hey, by the way, you know, somebody at the store put an extra thing in my bag. And when I got home, and it was like, well, praise God, I got a, the Lord's blessed me today. You know, the thing is, is that we'll say, well, that was good for me to steal from the store. You know, that's the hard thing. Sometimes I go and I go, I got to drive back to the store and I got to give it to them. You know what? It's okay to be uh, righteously indignant as you're going back to the store to give somebody back the thing that was stolen. It's okay. You know, it's okay for us to have a flesh flash where my flesh, gosh. But you know what? The thing is, is that it's a whole lot better when we get away from the flesh flash and we turn right back around to the Spirit of God and we go, Father, so much more peaceful over here. So much more peaceful. I'm going to stop right there. I'm going to pray over us, and then if anybody has anything that they want to pray about, I'll be here after the service. But I want to pray right now, getting an agreement that this is a time where we're learning about who we are in Christ Jesus, about our three-part being about how we connect to God, that we get revelation that this week that you're going to be at home and that all of a sudden you're going to have a flesh flash or there's going to be something that's going to happen and you go, where's my mind, my will, and my emotions? Because you can cut it off right then. And you can say, I'm going to, redirect them back towards the spirit of God that lives on the inside of me he has made me perfect and holy in my spirit you know in 1 Corinthians it actually says 1 Corinthians Corinthians chapter 1 it says that that we have been sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise you know that I use this all the time. Dad used to be in the meat business and there would be 
big packages of meat. You go into Costco and there's like all these ribs and everything that are in there and they're in this packaging. Do you know why they're in the packaging? It's because they're sealed so that I could throw dirt on them. I could throw whatever. I could take other groceries and dump it on top of them. And that meat is still good on the inside. You know that dirt's being thrown on you every single day and it doesn't preclude you from having the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is sealed. He is a gentleman and he is like a dove but he is also like a lion and he's like I can handle dirt. I created it. It doesn't matter what comes at us. The Holy Spirit says I'm standing with you. I'm in you. I'm, I'm, I'm keeping this Holy Spirit completely and totally sealed. So I'm going to pray over us right now. Father, we come to you in Christ Jesus' name. I just pray that you are creating opportunities for this revelation to just of, of who we are, the three-part being that we are, the, our spirit, our soul, and our body, where our mind and our will and our emotions, that they can either be catalyzed and, and thrown towards the flesh, or we can have our will and our mind overcome our emotions and say, Lord, I'm going to stay over here on your side. And Father, help us to be able to see those opportunities that we get where people are, people and things that are happening, that we can become of, that we can become these people of God that we never, ever, ever are just led by our flesh. That yes, we're in the world, but we're not of the world. And that it's going to be so noticeable that the peace of God is going to be upon us and that we don't have any issues with being able to take the things that God is trying to show us and to be able to overcome the things that the flesh is trying to make us see, hear, taste, smell, and feel. And Father, we just thank you for it. We thank you for those revelations. We thank you for this week. Thank you that you are creating opportunities for us to share the gospel with people. And we just thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. You're dismissed.